0: We turn in our Bibles to Psalm 72. We live in a world broken by our sin, but God still invites us to give him praise. Where do we find hope in the midst of sorrow? We turn to the Psalms, the songbook for God's people. The Psalms are divided into five sections. The structure actually teaches us to turn to God in praise no matter the struggles of life. Each of the five books of the Psalms ends with a doxology, a response of praise. We saw last week the words of Psalm 41, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, amen and amen. And you've already heard the words that conclude our Psalm this morning. We began with them as our call to worship. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And so listen to the word of God. This is Psalm 72. You can open your Bible or you can grab a bulletin and turn to find the passage. Psalm 72. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him. All nations serve him. For he delivers the needy when he calls. The poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. From oppression and violence he redeems their life and precious is their blood in his sight. Long may he live. May gold of Sheba be given to him and may prayers be made for him continually. And blessings invoked for him all the day. May there be abundance of grain in the land. On the tops of the mountains may it wave. May its fruit be like Lebanon. And may people blossom in the cities like the grass of the field. May his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse are ended let's come to God in prayer father we give you thanks for your grace and mercy we long for justice to be to be visible in the world in which we live and yet our hearts ache as we look at those in need as we look at the brokenness in our own hearts our own lives so lord I pray that your word would be a comfort to your people but lord that it would also be a challenge that we would turn from trusting in ourselves and and put our trust in you. For you are the gracious God, our King, our Savior, our Rescuer. And so we come praying in the name of our King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Justice feels elusive. Whether on the grand scale demanded by crowds in the streets, or in the silent pleadings where no one hears but God. And even then, you wonder if he cares. Justice feels elusive. And yet we long for justice, a desire for the world to be made right, for wrongdoers to be held to account. Now, when you look at the world, injustice is clear. It's easy to see to spot in in big ways and in small. And injustice is often considered an argument against the existence of God. After all, a good God would not allow this to happen. But perhaps our longing for justice, our desire for things to be made right, is itself an argument for God's existence. If the world is a result of random events, then why would justice matter? If there is no source of right and wrong, then why do we instinctively understand that things have gone wrong? Why do we want things to be made right? See, perhaps our longing for justice points us to a foundation, a source of justice. Perhaps it's really an argument that God exists and that God cares. See, and it's here in the words of God that we find hope, that we will one day see full and complete justice. Psalm 72 is a prayer for Israel's king. You see it right there in the the opening words. It's a song of Solomon, either written by Solomon himself or written for Solomon. The the, the language is vague enough to give it to us either way. It's, it either belongs to him and that somebody offered it to him as a gift or it belongs to him because he was the one who wrote it down. But, but notice how the psalm begins with this prayer. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. The, the psalm shows what life in dependence upon God, in full and, and complete giving oneself over to God, What life would look like under the reign of God's righteous king. It's not only there in the opening verses, we we see that that there's this dependence upon God throughout this psalm. The demand in verse 15, that prayers be made for the king. That the king, to do what is right, will need God's strength. And even the way in which the, the psalm ends with blessing directed not to the king, but right back to God himself. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel who alone does wondrous things. See, the hope of the psalmist is in God and his strength. But the prayer is a very big prayer for the, the mountains themselves to bring about prosperity for the people, for the hills to bring forth righteousness and peace. Look, look back at, at verse 3, which I've just read. It says, let the mountains, so let all of creation bear prosperity for the people. The, the word there for prosperity is, is more often in our in our Bibles translated, peace. It's the word that you might still hear if you traveled through the Middle East, shalom. But not merely a, a peace as in the absence of, of conflict, but, but a life that is filled with, with a, a complete wholeness and fullness because of the blessing of God in all areas of life. And so this song is a song in which the king will bring justice because all of creation under the work of God himself brings peace to the people of God. Now, Psalm 72 is a prayer for the king of Israel, but it quickly forces us to admit that we cannot find a king who will bring this kind of peace, a king whose peace will last forever, a king whose peace will extend to all people. Now, perhaps you've heard, there's a presidential inauguration this week. I know, it's, it's barely been reported on, at all. And we join in praying for a peaceful transition of power, but even the most powerful office on earth cannot bring the fullness of peace for which we long. Yes, when a man or a woman leads in God's integrity, then we can see glimpses of what God's kingdom looks like. But there is brokenness all around us. No politician can bring about the hope and the rescue that you and I ultimately need. Yes, Psalm 72 is rightly about the kings of Israel in the Old Testament. But it is more fully about the king who would come from David's line, the greater son of Solomon who will bring blessing to the nations. Psalm 72 will only find its full promise in the reign of Jesus Christ. Because look at the the way the psalm shows us how Christ Jesus rules as King. He he rules over all nations. We see it in the language of verse eight, that his blessing extends his dominion, his kingdom from sea to sea, from the river, from the Euphrates, to the very ends of the earth. Everywhere that you could go, the reign of this king will be known and seen. He's the king to whom verse 11 tells us all other kings will fall down before him. All nations will serve the true and right king. Jesus, the Savior. Because the blessing that Jesus brings is not merely a a blessing for historical Israel, for a people living on on a small piece of land in one part of the world at one time in history. Because even the the greatness of Solomon's kingdom didn't extend as far as this kingdom will extend. And actually, his sons and grandsons do much to destroy the kingdom, to break it into pieces, to, to see it shrink before them in their sin. But the blessing of the the Savior, Jesus Christ, is a blessing that goes from sea to sea. Wherever you start measuring, the kingdom of Jesus will be found there. The the kings of Tarshish at the far ends of the earth, the the people who live in the coastlands, they will bring their, 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 their tribute to Jesus as the king. Because the blessing of Jesus is a blessing for all the nations for people everywhere. Look at verse 17. This prayer that that began in verse 15, long may he live, long may the king live, That, that shout of acclamation which is historically given in the Old Testament, still used in monarchies today. Long may he live. But verse 17 says, may his name endure forever. His fame continue as long as the sun. May people be blessed in him. All nations call him blessed. See, the blessing of Jesus the King is for you. Because it's a blessing for everyone, everywhere, at all times, no matter when or where you have lived. See, this is the very very promise that the the Bible has given us from the beginning. Think Think of God calling Abraham, a man whose name when we first meet him is Abram the one who will become the, the father of the nations. That's what, what Abraham means. But when he is first called, he is called to come out into the, the land of blessing where God will reign as king. But it's a blessing not merely for himself and his wife, not merely for his descendants. W- what, is, what does the Bible tell us? If, 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 we, if we read in, in Genesis 12, we find this blessing. That, that God says, the Lord himself says to Abram, In Genesis 12, verse 2, I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. See, the blessing of God given to one nation was never meant only for that one nation, It, from the very beginning, from when the promise is announced, is a promise to be given to every nation everywhere. And what Psalm 72 does is connects us to that that Abrahamic promise, that that covenant promise, that blessing that God gave to Abraham. It connects it now to the king of Israel, to the promise that God gave to David. In 2 Samuel 7, the, the prophet comes to King David, who is the father of our psalmist, the father of Solomon. He comes to him and gives him the promise that his kingdom will last forever. This is what we read in 2 Samuel 7 verse 16. The prophet speaking on God's behalf to David the king. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And yet in David's physical kingdom with dirt under his feet, the kingdom did not last forever. Because this was always pointing us to the greater blessing which would come through the descendant of David, the greater son of Solomon, Jesus the Savior. And so it's not a surprise then that the New Testament begins by connecting that blessing of Abraham with the promise given to David, that Jesus is the son who was promised. Think of the way the New Testament begins, Matthew 1. This is the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. He is the son of David, the son of Abraham, because his blessing, his kingdom is meant for all people everywhere. And his power, Christ's rule, then covers all of life. We see it again in the, the psalm that the king, the righteous king, the true king, Jesus himself, will judge, verse 2, the people, all people, with righteousness, will care for the poor with justice see if the king jesus is concerned about those that are most vulnerable then we should be as well we should consider those that that are in most desperate need and say wait i have been placed here to bless you and yet too often politically or or just practically we think no, no no, no. i have been placed here to protect what i have and yet that's not a biblical response to seeing someone in need when you are placed in front of someone in need, your response should be, wait, I have been sent here by God to be a blessing to others. Now that doesn't mean we don't have to wrestle with hard questions about how do you do justice, not just in a, in a one-on-one way, but on, but on a grand scale, and, and how that intersects with, with education, and with politics, and, and with, with our communities. I'm not saying that those are easy questions, but I'm saying our response shouldn't be one in which we step back and say, well, but wait, that might be costly to me. Now, our response should be to lean in and say, of course this is going to be costly to me. Because there are people who need help. And I've been sent by God to be a blessing because the king is concerned about justice. Yes, the gospel is about the king who makes the unrighteous sinners, makes us righteous by his own death. That we are forgiven in Christ. But the gospel brings about a change in our lives that should lead us to care for those that are most vulnerable. It's... it's It's repeated again and again in this psalm so that we can't overlook it. Verse 4 says, May the king defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. Or verse 13, verses 12 and 13, repeat this refrain. That the king delivers the needy when he calls, the poor and him who has no helper. He has pity on the weak and the needy and saves the lives of the needy. See, are we concerned with justice in the way that the king, Jesus, is concerned? Do we look at the poor and think, yeah, but they don't really deserve that kind of help? Or do we look at them and see them as weak and needy, as one who has no help? Or do we take pity because we have a Savior who has taken pity upon us? See, this king is a king whose blessing is meant to go to all people, A blessing that comes with the gospel announcement that that your hope is not placed in this moment alone. That whether you have all that you need or you're desperate for more, your hope isn't found right now. That you have a king who will bring a righteousness and a peace that lasts forever. One who brings comfort to those that are vulnerable, like, like fresh fallen rain on a newly mown field. See, in his days, then the righteous will flourish and peace will abound until the moon is no more. As long as the sun endures, this king will have authority. And yet it goes beyond that. For the, for the book of Revelation tells us that even after the sun ceases to shine, there, there will be no reason for, for a created light because Jesus himself will give life to all those whom he has blessed. And so the question is, Will you submit yourself to this king? Will you throw yourself upon him and his mercy? Will you you ask him to make his heart your heart, his love for the vulnerable yours? Because that's what's demanded of us in this psalm, that everyone will bow the knee before this king. We, we, We see it most directly in verse 11, that as the kings bring their gifts to this, to Jesus, Then verse 11 says, may all kings fall down before him, and all nations serve him. The blessing goes to the nations, and then that blessing is meant to come back in the form of worship, of of humbling ourselves before God, coming back to Jesus. And think of the way Jesus, your Savior, has shown his love to you. The way that he came not to be served, but to serve the Savior who came to give his life as a ransom for many. At the cross of Jesus, there was a a plaque hung to describe who he was. He is the king of the Jews. Listen to the way the Apostle John in John chapter 19 describes Jesus there on the cross. Pilate, the the governor, is, is sought to release Jesus, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the place of the judgment seat at a place called the stone pavement in Aramaic, Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, behold your king. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, we have no king but Caesar. So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. So they took Jesus and went out, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. and in Greek, So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write the king of the Jews, but rather this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. Now in the horror of these moments, John wants us to, to, to see the irony that the, the words meant to be mocking toward Jesus, used by Pilate to, to mock the Jews to mock Jesus himself, are actually the truth. What is written on the inscription is what is true for everyone, everywhere, that Jesus is the king. The king, as Psalm 72 tells us, of the Jews. But Psalm 72 then says, but that king is meant to be the king of all nations. And this king is the king whose love is so great for us, whose heart for justice is is so, so wonderfully expansive that he himself suffers the ultimate injustice on our behalf. That he willingly dies bearing your sin in mind, taking your guilt upon himself, the king who willingly dies for his people. And through his death, and then his resurrection from the dead, he gains all power and glory. He now reigns as the king on high, Have you acknowledged Jesus to be your king? To be the one in whom you find hope and salvation. Does his reign send you out into the world to be a blessing to others? We we can hear the the words of the songs that we've we've sung this morning. Exalting Jesus, recognizing that every knee needs to bow to him. Because Jesus Christ, the king, as Paul tells us in Philippians, humbled himself Philippians 2 echoes what Psalm 72 tells us. That one day everyone will bow the knee before Jesus. Whether forced down in your own selfishness and sin to receive the judgment you deserve or to fall down in worship and praise to the Savior who gave himself for you. See, Jesus who died, who rose again, who reigns in heaven is the King who is coming again whose kingdom will never end. He will bring justice for you. And yet justice feels elusive. And so how do we hold on to hope when justice seems so distant? During the hearings of the Yugoslav War Crimes Tribunal back in the 1990s, the world was confronted with evil. Horrific violence that tore nations apart a reporter listened as the presiding judge of one of the tribunals antonio cassesi he described the horrors that were brought into evidence every day in the tribunal the most horrific stories of violence where a father is beaten and watched forced to watch the horror unfold against his family and then these stories are repeated day after day as witness is brought forth The reporter then finally asks the judge how he keeps from going mad himself in a world filled with such evil. He says, the judge's face brightened. Ah, he said with a smile. You see, as often as possible, I make my way over to the museum in the center of town so as to spend a little time with the Vermeers. The judge is describing the beautiful paintings of the 17th century Dutch master Johannes Vermeer. Because Vermeer captured the beauty of ordinary moments, even though the world around him was devastated by violence and war. And so the judge longed to sit in the quiet of the museum and be engulfed in beauty. Vermeer's girl with a pearl earring captures a young woman as as she turns toward the artist. The reporter describes the melancholy that's captured in this painting with its impending sense of loss. He says it's, it's as if an entire movie has been captured in a single frozen image. Because Vermeer's paintings remind us of the simple dignity of every person. The quiet of the, the museum allows us to sit in the presence of beauty. And so it helped Judge Cassese endure in the face of injustice because we need help to lift our heads up above the fray to endure when justice seems long delayed but maybe it's not merely in the silence of a museum or in the beauty of God's creation or in the orderly the orderly beauty of a, of a garden maybe it's not merely in silence maybe it's in worship that we can be reminded because Think again how our psalm ends. You've heard these words now repeatedly this morning. The blessing that comes to the king is the blessing that is then turned back to God. Because just as each of the five books of the Psalter ends with a a doxology, this word of blessing given back to God, it's a reminder to us that, that we in the midst of our sin and sorrow, are not left alone. But God is here with us. The doxology confronts our selfishness by letting us see the greatness of God. See, worship helps us see that our pain is not the final word. That worship will rise to the true King. A great preacher in an earlier generation, G. Campbell Morgan, he comments on the way this psalm ends. He says, the doxology is a reminder that the kingdom promised is the kingdom for which we all still wait. See, we long for justice. But we know that it is coming. Because the psalm points us to the one who offers us true hope. Jesus, your king, gave himself for you. Jesus, your king, will bring justice when he returns. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Blessed be his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. Father in heaven, we come to you because your word commands us to give you blessing and honor. Even when we, when we long for, for the world to be made right, you are gracious in showing us your blessing and care. And so, Father, we come to give you praise because of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. For those who, who wrestle with this truth, I pray that they would find their hope in Jesus alone. Lord, for those of us that are followers of Jesus, Lord, I pray that our lives would, re- would be a reflection of his kingdom, of his power and authority. Lord, use us to bless others. Make us a blessing, the blessing of our king. We come praying in the name of Jesus, who is the Christ, Jesus our Messiah, Jesus our Savior. Amen. Amen.